know it's going, but we're recording. You good? Yes. All right. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, from Austin adjacently under Texas, the longest running and most prolific independent film podcast in the state. We talk shit so you don't have to. I'm Jim. Normally he's Clarkson, but he's Brian is sitting in from today. We are the Film Thugs Movie Show. How the hell are ya? Boom. Uh yeah. Yeah. So this right here, honestly, for years. Okay, so I'll kind of run this down for, for Ryan, and this is some inside baseball for the other folks, for folks who've been listening to the show for a while. When we started out, I would build like a special intro for every show. I would have like, you know, do special intro, special outro. Then I got tired of doing that because like every Sunday I'd be at my computer for like an hour building these intros. Entirely too much work. Yes, way too much. Then I came up with like you three. You could be drinking beer during exactly, that time. Exactly, yeah. Then I came up with like three that I would interchange out. But I would still have to do this thing where I'd import it and I'd add all this stuff. Then I said, screw it. I'm just going to find something that I can use for free for the intro and something that is recognizable for the outro so that folks will know when it begins and it ends and then just do it live. Cause right now this raw file, nothing touched to it except I put it into iTunes and update what it's called. Uh, this is exactly what goes out. Nice. So joining me here, uh, Clarkson has family, uh, family things <laughs> as I told him are leaps and bounds more important than this show going on. That's where we'll leave it at. I said, I've, I'll get some folks to sit in, just have some rotating uh, rotating co-hosts going for a little bit so you don't even have to think about this because right now he's got way more important shit going on, but he will be back soon. And uh, the first show when he comes back, uh, tentatively, we'll be talking about the movies of Christopher Guest, like, you know, The Waiting for Guffman, all that. It's great stuff. We've been, I sent him something about talking about it. He immediately replied, how the fuck have we not done that already? How have you like, not done that? Yeah, that, that, I, d- I Actually, with as many episodes as you've done, that's kind of amazing. It really is. It really is. Um, I also, oh, so you're, you're aware, I have uh, an Archer soundboard that I do stuff at random on. So out of nowhere, you'll get... I hate you all so much. You'll get something like that that means nothing that I'll just do because I think it's funny. Um, Because culture is amazing. It really is. It really is. So joining me here is Ryan. Uh, Ryan and I, we've been, Ryan's been cutting my hair for five years? Yeah, about five years. Yeah. God, yeah, a while. And we've been talking about having him on the show. Clarkson's not going to be able to make it, so I said, hey, Ryan is a Marine. I feel like I'm amply qualified yes. for this episode so in I, particular. I sent him one thing. I, I just sent him a message like, "Dude, do you think you could talk about uh, like good and bad military movies for an hour or so?" And my exact reply was, "Fuck yes. Yeah, fuck yeah, no problem." So, or I could probably talk about good and bad military <laughs> movies all day long. Oh yeah, yeah. And I just figured, hey, for something like this, have somebody who is in the know, somebody who is you know connected to it and has a real personal reaction. And uh, so yeah, we just I, he started looking stuff up, asking folks that you know. Asking fellow Marines for input on it, and we uh, we've got something here now. Just to jump into it, I want to talk. I think it has taken a long time, but I think they've finally nailed the perfect portrayal of like the Norman Rockwell ideal of the American soldier. And you're probably talking about American Sniper. No, no, no. I'm talking about Steve Rogers. I'm talking about what they've done with Captain America. Oh yeah, they've they've taken Captain America from this comic book character to literally 
what Uncle Sam was trying to pretend exactly, yeah. in the posters. Like, yeah. we want you to be this guy. Yeah. So everybody wants to look up to him and yeah. be that guy. Well, And he's a guy. It's it's great. He's the perfect captain because he's the guy that anybody would be like, oh, yeah, I'll follow you. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely follow you. In. And he I is. Will lead, I will follow you in a battle. Yeah. He is very, you know, the absolute Boy Scout is an understatement. It really is. In, in, in one of my favorite jokes from Age of Ultron mm-hmm. is the language joke. He yeah. says it without even knowing it because he has those values from the 1940s. Uh-huh. And then the whole rest of the movie, they just rag out him language. You know, it's like, <laughs> that was like one of the greatest jokes. But it but it does lead to his character of being really that guy. Yeah, he is that guy. I still haven't seen Ultron. I need to. I just... I haven't been able to. Things have been nuts. I for shame. Yeah, I know, I know. The comic know. book nerd in me wants yeah. to punch you. Like. Yeah, and, and I should be slapped. I should be slapped hard on that one. But he, I mean, just from, even before he became Captain America, even when he was just that guy who kept trying and kept trying. Exactly. No, you can't get in. Okay, I'm going to try again. He wanted to be in the again. military so bad and help out in the war that he's just like, did everything he could mm-hmm. and then fighting the guy in the alley. And yeah. I mean, it, 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 it proves to his character how, how period. Yeah, and that's what I always thought, you know, that ideal, that level of just unattainable, oh, wow. Holy crap, that's... And it, it of course it's going to be Captain America. Of course it's going to be somebody from back in a... Very non-cynical time. Yeah, exactly. Where, you would not find that guy now. I'm oh God, sorry. no. Uh, uh-uh. uh. I don't know where 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 somebody could be like, well, golly, miss, and it's not ironic. It's not him. It's like, well, golly, gee, miss. Of course, like exactly. Yes, that's how he talks. Like yes. you're not being funny. You're not being yeah. ironic. That's just really who you are. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And I mean, the fact that even you know his 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 downtime, I'm going to box. I'm going to. You know, do something so very 1940s. Yeah. Nothing other than that. Have you seen that somebody did a list of the, uh, um, of like the things from his list of stuff that he had to check up on? Yes. And one of the bits from it was like, uh, see what happened to that Kennedy kid from PT 109. <laughs> like, okay, that's fantastic. Cause yeah, he'd have no idea at all about that. It's, it's so funny to think. Of the of that gap, like okay, what wouldn't this guy? What is happening today that would make sense to this guy? It's like, well, cars might, uh, in a sense, in a sense, yeah. I mean, they are leaps and bounds ahead of where they were. <laughs> yeah, air travel, like you know, the the thirteen hour flight coast to coast, being like, no, it's about six hours now. You don't have to stop, like, huh? The thing <laughs> that always blows about? my mind, especially like when you think about from his time frame, I think uh, about my grandmother. Yeah. My grandmother's job was a switchboard oh, operator. Wow. Yeah. She worked for Ma Bell in Michigan mm-hmm. and she <laughs> connected people's phone calls. <laughs> and now she's 83 years old and has a cell phone. Yeah. Granted, she doesn't use it very right. well, but to, uh-huh. to think that your whole career, what mm-hmm. you based your life on for 20 yeah. some years, yeah. was something that is not even obsolete. It's beyond obsolete. Yeah, it, it's, it's what whatever Trump's obsolete yeah. is what that is. It's archaic. And it's, so he's coming into this world with literally everything yeah. he's ever done. Is that he's a step away from stone tablets in our world? Exactly. Um, my dad. It's funny. My dad has a good friend uh, who lives in England, and through this this friend of his, my dad's gotten into the 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 soccer football, and they'll watch oh, games. You mean not real football. Yeah, not really. Yeah, <laughs> association football. They'll they'll talk on the phone while watching a Premier League game, and the only difference is it's eight seconds ahead over there. But at, my dad was in the military at a time when, like, you found out who won the World Series, like, a month or two months later. 
Yeah, it's, it took, especially if yeah. he was like in the field and stuff yeah, like that. Like, yeah. oh hey, here's a letter. Uh-huh. You know, this mm-hmm. team won the World Series. This yeah. team won the 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 uh, Super Bowl, and yeah. you didn't know. You he had was no he was, idea. In, he was in Taiwan, and so it was taking everything forever to get there. I mean, hell, I even remember in '86 watching uh, the armed service could get uh, ball games on the radio, but not on TV, and we would watch the World Series on a Spanish channel in Panama, muted with the American radio broadcast going. The fact that that now, like even back when Clarkson and I were friends, uh, first met in high school, we rarely talked because we lived in different areas. And calling in-state, just within the state, long distance, was crazy expensive. It was ridiculous expensive. I totally understand that. So, like, my mom and dad, yeah. when they were still married, lived out in the middle of nowhere. And uh-huh. I mean, middle of nowhere, we had four neighbors. We were related to all of them. Okay. <laughs> On a long road. Right. No traffic lights, mm-hmm. just stop signs. Our nice. local phone um, calls uh-huh. consisted of the people on that road, basically. Yeah. My grandmother lived a few miles away, but it was a different town, mm-hmm. and it was a long distance call. And yeah. the price to call my grandmother was yeah. insane. Yeah, it was like it, it literally was running. You know, you if you could get when I remember when they hit ten cents a minute as being like, wow, that's such a bargain. Yeah, I know because back then it was like twenty five cents a minute, like oh God, a quarter yeah. a minute. Really, yeah. I gotta spend a dollar to talk to my grandmother <laughs> for four minutes. Yes, and <clears throat> the fact that now, like. I've done shows with people in Scotland. In, in there are people in China who will be downloading this show that's as soon as it's out. And try, like I, I imagine like with Steve Rogers, my grandpa lived until the the early nineties. Even now, I I try and imagine t- telling my grand describing Netflix to my grandfather would kill the man. That would be like. Back in the day, describing or being the guy that said, "No, the Earth is round." Yeah, the not Earth is flat. round. Yeah, yeah. That's like describing Netflix to somebody exactly. born in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen. My grandfather didn't like the idea. Uh, he didn't understand the idea of a VCR recording something that he wasn't watching. He's like, "That doesn't make sense to me. I don't like it. Get That's it out." The devil's like, work. Exactly. Exactly. Like this. This, no, that just doesn't make sense to me. That's, that's impossible. You, you, you can't record things that don't happen. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and if I said to him, pause live TV. What? No. That, okay, that's the dumbest thing anyone's ever said. How, how dare you? That'll never catch on. Yeah, that's crazy. But also, I, I look at it, my dad. I Every time he tells me how great Netflix is. God damn it, Jimmy. I'm not going to fucking rent movies off the fucking internet. Direct quote within one year. Oh, this Netflix is the greatest thing in the world. I just I just put it in the mailbox two days later. I get another one in for me. I was like, yeah, motherfucker. Remember eight years ago when I told you how great that was? Yeah, that's the shit you told me. No. No, I'll never do that. No, but he, you know, crazy. he's from a time frame that he still has to adjust all oh, that. Yeah, At yeah. least your father adjusts that. My father yeah. does not have internet or a cell phone. Mm. He has cable TV and a regular dial-up phone. The only reason I maintain a Michigan number uh-huh. is to call my father. So if he calls me, it's not long distance. It's mind blowing. And how with cell phones now, the concept of long distance no longer exists. No, not to us. But if you only have a landline. <laughs> oh, yeah. If my father were to call me in Austin, Texas, it's still a long distance call. I him. haven't had a landline in the last time I had a landline was in the house that I shared with the roommates in 2002. It's how long it's been since I have had a 
plug into the wall telephone in my home. I had a plug into the wall telephone when I was stationed in Okinawa only <laughs> because that was the only yeah, physical the only way to be able have, to call yeah. America. Yeah, and you'd have to talk through, and even then, you'd have to you know make a person-to-person call. Did you actually have to talk to an operator, or could no, you, you dial straight you out? No, you could dial straight out, but you nice. had, it was like a, it was seriously like a 13-digit code to get God. out of the country. It was oh, like, man. I had to have it written down on a piece of paper, uh-huh. the code I had to call out, and then you like waited for like a series of beeps, and then you're like, okay, now I can dial the phone number. It was insane, especially when you think about what you can do now. Like, yeah. I can pick up my cell phone, and if I want to call Chili, I can call Chili. Well, and what's crazy is with Apple FaceTime, if you have an if you have an any Mac computer, an iPhone or an iPad, you have you have Windows Messenger, which lets you do FaceTime calls to any other person with one of those at no cost, as long as you're running through a Wi-Fi system. Exactly. And you could actually even do it through cell. I mean, there's no additional cost for doing it. Yes. What this the fuck? This is a free service yeah, here. Explain that to, you know. And I love that they didn't forget that in Captain America with all that stuff. They didn't, they didn't dwell on it, but the, the way they handled it was so great. My favorite line still has to be, oh, yeah, with uh, you know his, his, his flying monkeys, I get... Th- I got that reference. I got that. And just one. that moment of, oh my god, somebody finally said Ooh. something that makes sense Ooh. to me. Who me? Who me? That that was that was quite the film back in my day. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So with this, basically, Wolf just throws. I we used to do top ten lists, but that was so clunky and cumbersome. So, so basically, show? yeah. No, we, we just sort of throw. Exactly. Exactly. We just throw out whatever. And see where the conversation takes us. So my first number one best mm. military movie has got to be Heartbreak Ridge. Uh, yeah. So I'm a Marine. Mm-hmm. Duh, I'm going to love Heartbreak Ridge. It's Clint yeah. Eastwood being a fucking badass, crusty gunny. Oh, yeah. Like uh-huh. the saltiest guy in the Marine Corps. Yep. And like, I'm a badass. I'm going to take these recon guys and make them badasses like me uh-huh. and lead them into Grenada. Yeah. There's not a second of that movie that's not amazing. And... You have a 1980s hair metal guitar solo while the guy's on a bass club. Like, it blows my mind. By Mario Van Peebles, no less, as Hollywood. Hollywood! (laughs) Here's here's what I love about that is it gets to, and I'll talk uh, Full Metal Jacket on this as well, because that, I think, you tie those those characters together. And it was something Arlie Ermey talks about uh, saying to Kubrick. He was like, originally Gunny Hartman was like this sadistic psycho. Uh, and he finally, he said to Kubrick, he's like, Stanley, that's not why drill sergeants are the way they are. The people who become drill sergeants aren't sadistic assholes. They actually care. Yeah, they care the most. They care more than anyone. And their idea, the reason they're as hard as they are is, if I am not this hardcore with you, you will not know your job, you will not do your job, someone will die, and it will be my fault. Exactly. Because I didn't prepare you to do this. And I have intimate knowledge of that. I watched Full Metal Jacket with my father, Uh who was a Marine during Vietnam. Right. Who went through boot camp exactly like that. My boot camp was definitely hard, but, but it, it was, wasn't. But it wasn't, it that. wasn't that. And same thing. My grandfather. No drill was sergeant a, punching you in the stomach. <laughs> I got punched in the face once, but I ran into his <laughs> fist as he said. 
But that's a story for another time. Right, right. And my grandfather was a Korean Marine, Korean War Marine. Uh-huh. I had intimate knowledge of how this was going to be. Yeah. And they said, it's going to suck. It's going to feel like torture. Mm-hmm. But they're literally doing it because you th- because they care. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing. You go through all these weeks of boot camp, and it does feel like torture. Uh-huh. And then the second you're done... Man, when I got like my Eagle Globe and Anchor mm-hmm. and they pin your rank on you, man, I cried like a little girl and uh-huh. I'm so happy that I made it through. Mm-hmm. And then you go shake those guys' hands and it makes it all worth it. And you yeah. realize that they're normal people. Yeah. That they're uh-huh. good people that just care about you. And yeah. that's that's where the beginning of Full Metal Jacket comes in. Mm-hmm. Now, the rest of the movie is kind of almost an anti-war movie. Right, right. And so, me personally, I watched the movie until they were done with boot camp and then I shut it that's off. That's honestly, from what I from my gathering of it, most people feel that way is it is one half of the greatest thing ever. It's one half of the greatest military movie ever. Uh-huh. And then the second half is the most anti-war, yeah. anti-Vietnam movie you'll ever see. Yeah. And I don't really like that part. Uh-huh. Other than the Vietnamese hooker part is kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody gets a good laugh out of right. it. Who doesn't get a good laugh out of Vietnamese hooker? Exactly. But what I love, too, is how Hart, uh, um, Gunny Highway from... Heartbreak Ridge was almost a prototype for Hartman because if you look at everything he was doing, it was you are going to have to learn how to adapt. You're not wearing the same shirt. Take them off. We're all wearing the same shirt. Not the same shirt as me. How the hell are we supposed to know what shirt you're wearing? You, you got to figure it out. You got to improvise, yeah. adapt, and overcome. Exactly, and it's, yeah. the, it's the motto yeah. of the Marine Corps, and especially it's the motto of recon Marines, which mm-hmm. is what he's a part of. And Man, recon don't you, fuck around. No, they don't. I have yeah. a friend who's a recon marine. That dude is fucking hard <laughs> as nails. Yep, yep. Well, and and again, if you look at it, then when they go into, I just love that when one they of, go into Grenada, they operate, they win, and they do it quickly. Yeah, and they do it their way. And I it's just so badass. I just love that one of the greatest military movies ever is about Grenada. Yeah. I mean, the movie is almost as long as the engagement was. Oh, the Grenada lasted for all of about seven seconds. Yeah, yeah. And, and the movie was better than the actual what happened mm-hmm. over there. But, yeah, man, it, it's just such a good movie, every aspect of it. Because I knew guys like him in the Marine Corps. Right. Guys that were gunnies who could have been like Sergeant Major of the yeah, Marine Corps. Yeah. But they fucking didn't care about getting yeah. promoted so much as they cared about their job and yeah. teaching it to the younger Marines. And that's what really matters. Mm-hmm. The other thing that personally, to me, is amazing about that movie. Uh-huh. So at the end of the movie, da 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 they're flying back, they're landing in uh-huh. what's supposed to be Lejeune in North Carolina. They're actually landing in El Toro in California. But right. besides that point, so they land on their C-130. Uh-huh. Fellow listeners out there, <laughs> I was a C-130 mechanic in the Marine Corps. Uh-huh. The plane that they land on is Aircraft 019, Aircraft 19. <laughs> I worked on that airplane awesome. while I was stationed in Japan. Oh, that's I cool. physically have put my hands <laughs> on the plane that was in that movie and that they worked on. So that's another reason that I just absolutely yeah, love I that movie. I could see a connection there. I can definitely see the connection there. But it is, it, and that is a thing that is so overlooked by people who don't get it. Yeah. That it's, no, these aren't assholes who are being assholes to be assholes these are guys who took this job nobody is forced to be a drill sergeant no that is something that you're like this is what i want to do and this is where my career stops exactly and the other thing is is when you're in the marine corps and you petition to go to the drill field 
you actually go through like a boot camp of your own to learn how to be a drill instructor. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. You have to get through that and complete that before you're actually a drill instructor. They don't just say, here, hey, here you go. You have to learn how because they have to make sure that you have what it takes to do this for these people, Mm -hmm. to actually be hard enough on them to train them in the way that they need to be trained in the way that they need to be learned. Mm -hmm. So the first time I watched it with Lauren, she said the Uh, same thing. She's like, that guy's a fucking psycho. She's like, I can't believe that you went through that. And I said, honey, as an outsider, of course you're going to think that. Yeah. But I went through that because it had to be that way. Exactly. Now, granted, Gomer Pyle snaps, Uh, but Vincent D'Onofrio, I feel like is one of the most underrated actors in all have, of Hollywood. Have you seen Daredevil? Oh my gosh, Daredevil oh, is amazing. Holy and shit. It's, it's more so, yeah. it, Daredevil's amazing and it's probably one of the best TV shows I've watched in the last few years mm-hmm. because it's acted well, it's directed well, yeah. it's casted so well. Vincent uh-huh. D'Onofrio is amazing. I cannot mm-hmm. say enough amazing yeah. things about him as an actor. Uh-huh. He does not get enough credit in Hollywood. No, he doesn't. And no. the character he played in Full Metal Jacket, I mean, he portrayed it as a, a guy who went there because he probably got his draft number pulled. Right. Uh-huh. And then after he gets his draft number pulled, that was R2-D2. Right on, yeah. So he gets his draft number pulled. He has to go in the Marine Corps. Okay, uh-huh. he's kind of joking. He doesn't know what it's like. Yeah. And he gets fucking smacked down day one. Yeah. He just gets choked on the on the uh-huh. deck by the drill instructor. Oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Uh-huh. And then he he's a fuck up, and he's like, I can't do this. And then he tries. He really tries yeah. for a while. Yeah. And when he realizes that his best just isn't good enough, uh-huh. he snaps inside. Yeah. But which, and the thing is, he ended up like, you know, with certain things as, as Hartman said to him, you are born again, hardcore. But by the time he got there, he'd already snapped. And I will argue it's better that it happened when it did than when it, cause that's the kind of guy who might be able to squeak it together and get through, but is so afraid that he's the guy who's going to commit a war crime. Exactly. He's the guy who's going to do some shit that everyone else is like, we're going to have to fucking shoot. We're going to have to fucking kill this guy, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, my God. This guy's going to cost all of us our lives. And and guys do get through, and they're they're snapped inside, yeah. and, they're, and they might be crazy towards themselves or towards other people. Mm. So being an aviation marine, I wasn't a grunt. Right. So, but everybody goes to, like, a, a, a war training thing. It's uh-huh. for, for non-grunts, it's MCT. It's Marine uh-huh. Combat Training. It's a short-watered, super-watered-down mm-hmm. version of what the actual infantrymen go to. Yeah. And when I was in that school, this is right after 9-11 happened. We're on base. Yeah. We're in there. So there's base patrols. There's guys walking around uh-huh. with loaded M16s because yeah. they didn't know how hardcore this was right, going right, to get. Right, right, uh-huh. And one of the guys snapped and shot himself in our laundry room, in the barracks, in the Jesus. middle of the night. Jesus. Yeah. Like, so it, you're, you're looking at like an H-style hotel barracks. You've lived on yeah. H. You know what oh, I'm yes. talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Laundry room's right in the middle of mm-hmm. the H, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's 2.30 in the morning, you hear, and everybody up out of yeah. bed. I mean, yeah. you hear shots on yeah. base. You're a young Marine. You're like, <laughs> you're yeah, like, let's go okay, get some. Okay, let's do get it. Get some. Yeah. And you're like, let's go. <laughs> and then you find a dead guy, and oh, it's kind of crazy. God. Well, what's interesting with what you're talking about there with that is, uh, have you seen Tigerland? No. Okay, Tigerland was Colin, one of Colin Farrell's first okay. movies, and it's the one that that pisses me off at all of the uh, movie star bullshit that he's done because he is so fucking good, and it follows uh, during Vietnam a group of soldiers going through that combat training, that final combat training, and it is crazy intense because it, it is that shit where you're seeing guys who even during the training are getting fried and getting that battle fatigue going. Mm-hmm. And it's 
Uh, which, by the way, battle fatigue, that's what it was called in the Civil War. Then it became shell shock and then PTSD. And uh, speaking of that, uh, I'll, I'll jump back to, to Tigerland in a second. Have you seen the documentary James Gandolfini did for Showtime called War Torn? Yes. Outstanding movie. And you want to talk about some shit that everyone needs to have pointed out and go, that's what we're doing wrong. We are not addressing this. It is something we need to address. We can't pretend that this is just, oh, they'll be... No, we actually have to fucking do something for these guys coming back. That's a point that hits me pretty hard, actually. Yeah. Because I had a few of my friends have killed themselves since yeah. we've come back. Uh, last year was like the shittiest year of my life. Right, right. In May, my buddy Billy dies because the VA didn't care, take care of him. Uh, uh-huh. I, I have heart pains and I have heart problems. Uh-huh. That's what he says. He tells them for months on end, you're mm-hmm. too young to have heart problems. <laughs> and then he dies of a fucking heart disease. And uh. then grandfather died. And then a couple weeks later, my buddy Simon shot himself because he just, he, all these years, he, he tried to kill himself back when we were still in because mm-hmm. he couldn't deal with shit since he got back. Right. And then mm-hmm. it seemed like he was better in, and then it just happened. And man, and he's not the first one of my friends in it. it it's a motherfucker. I mean, we're, we're off yeah. the subject. Yeah, we're off that, some, but you know. It, it fucking kills me that nobody takes care of these guys. 22 military members a day commit suicide and it's one that that there, i mean there was a movie i think that won an oscar at the uh, one won a documentary oscar this year that was about the helplines for and it's one of those it's the, the government inefficiency when you have guys going yeah i'm having suicidal thoughts i'm there's okay you're fine like dude he just gave you the greatest hits of the goddamn high risk ptsd and you're like oh he's good no he'll be fine nah, he's, he's, don't worry just rub some dirt on it he'll be okay like and some of the guys won't talk about it because, mm-hmm. like, Simon, I talked to him on Friday and Sunday evening. He killed uh. himself. And so you don't know because sometimes people won't ask for help. No, but if yeah. they're asking for help, you have to give it yeah. to them. And that's one of the biggest problems is our VA in our country fails us when we oh, come yeah. home. Oh, God, yes. Uh-huh. We come oh, yeah. back and they, they, we come back and they don't give a shit. Yeah, it's very rubber stamped. But the, the – Tigerland gives you for people who've never done it because it is that next step. It is the actual combat training, and and yeah, and if you've never done anything like that or never been around anything yeah. like that, it's intense because you have to learn how to um, break down doors yeah. and to squad rush a room without mm-hmm. dying and without shooting your friends. You have to learn yeah. how to go down a street and and analyze the top of buildings, windows right. on the ground, IEDs. Mm-hmm improvised everything yeah. and it's intense it's hard it's hard even doing the training man and i wasn't even fucking real infantry man and like, this so. was this was jungle warfare shit so it was like they were in woods and just every and that's what made vietnam so like, bad yeah every vietnam movie at least hits that part on the head uh-huh. it was such a shitty war because you're stuck in a jungle and you can't see anything yeah you're stuck on somebody else's home turf in dense jungle and, uh, exactly. And what frustrates me is I had a student a couple years back, and this is a kid that I wanted to punch in the face every single day, every day. And his attitude. And that's why <laughs> teacher beatings or at least teacher spanking should yeah. still be allowed. Oh, yeah. He's a kid who, would, who, in a meeting with his parents, he's a kid who, no matter what, he was like, nah, no, nah, no, but he's like, yeah, my grades don't really matter because I'm just going to go into the Marines. I'm like, dude, you can't be stupid yeah, can't be and stupid join the military. And the military, and he's like, like, dude, you're going to be tested to get your job placement, and if you're unable to be placed anywhere else, you get put in infantry, and you don't want to be in infantry. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's actually that's where I want to be. 
but and that's also like, if he can even pass the test. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. What a lot of people don't know. So in your when you join the military, you take something called the ASVAB, the yeah. Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery. It's a yep. test that tests you on a million different things of what you can do and what you're good at. Mm-hmm. You can score from a one to a ninety-six as the top score. Uh-huh. I don't know why it's ninety-six and not a hundred, but because I'm not the, the guy that because, because it's, it's the, the fucking, fucking military. military. <laughs> um, so. <coughs> In the Marine Corps, yes, you can get the lowest score. You have to get a 33 to join the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. and it's 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 in the 40s to join the Army. Uh-huh. It's it's just above that for the Navy, and it's in the 50s. It's like 52 to join the Air Force. Like yeah. you've got to be actually intelligent to join the Air Force. Yeah. And I I thought that like okay, this everybody's got to pass a 32. Yeah. But that's like you have to be stupid to not get a 32. Uh-huh. I scored a 76. My best friend when we joined together the buddy program scored a 96. Damn. Smartest man I know. Nice. He actually, uh, he got med out off track subject. He uh-huh. got med out when we were in because it was pre-war. It was pre-9-11. Right, He right. just went back in. Uh, now that he's like married, has kids, he wanted to join the reserves. Uh-huh. He went back in, had to take the ASVAB again, spent 15 years mm. on 96. Nice. Nice. And that's the position you want to be in. But you, so... People think, and I, I thought everybody passes this test. Mm-hmm. Like, 32, you'd have to be stupid. I have met people, yeah, I was going to join the Marine Corps, but I couldn't get past the ASVAB. And I'm like, wow. wait, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, oh. yeah, I scored a four. Thank God. You scored oh. a four? Oh, my God. I don't want to give you ammunition yeah. to a weapon, let alone like, the weapon with the here ammunition. Is a, like, here is a ball. Would you like to bounce it? Like, <laughs> I know. I don't Lord. trust you with a fucking paperclip if yeah. you scored a four on the ASVAB. And, but then when you get the, and th- that's what frustrated me with this kid is it's like you got you want to be in the infantry is like you know what the nickname for the infantry is bullet sponge exactly that's a, like that, that is do you know why it's called the infantry because that's where the children literally used to be put in the military it was cavalry artillery infantry it was where the back when they would have children in the military exactly you're 13 you're 12 or 13 you're, you're a man you're, yeah. you're a man enough to carry a rifle yeah you're gonna get shot so the cavalry yeah. can actually do something but it's, don't worry yeah don't worry you'll you'll be fondly remembered i mean that's it, it's it's fascinating how that's missed but Tigerland, it's one that it really gets into it it's and it's not it's an, it's not anti-war. It's one of those where it's it's anti-war in the way that somebody who's about to go to war would be anti-war. Where it's like, you know, I would really rather not. Kind of thing. Yeah, you know? like, like mm, this would be cooler yeah. if I actually didn't have to do this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You'd if, be a lot cooler if you didn't, man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's why uh, the, back in the day when I considered joining the military, I was like Air Force. You want to join? No. Air Force. Air, Air Force, Force only. And uh, that is what I will tell my son. Yeah. Now, if he really wants to join a Marine because uh-huh. he wants to be a fourth generation Marine, yeah. I will support that. Uh-huh. I am also going to make sure that he gets a good job and is not a fucking grunt. Yeah. Well, uh, the way no I looked offense at it, to all grunts out there, but come on, I don't want my mm, kid to get shot. The way I looked at it is if I went into the Air Force, I'm too tall to be a pilot. That means in the Air Force, the, the, the front line is officers. I was going to do officer corps, and if I couldn't, I couldn't be a pilot, that means odds of me ever being front line military with the air force was all but non-existent basically because it's only that's one thing i love about the air force only the officers are full-time combatants everyone else's support and how where else in the military does that exist where it's only the like cool so i won't be able to be a pilot i'll be back okay cool awesome awesome that works for me let's do it so (coughs) speaking of 
being in war and in yeah. battle and how hard it is. Mm-hmm. That brings me to my next favorite military yes. movie, Black Hawk Down. Uh-huh. So the the Marine and me laughs because we went over and took over Mogadishu. Right. And then we handed it over to the Army and they fucked it up <laughs> like a football bat. <laughs> which, for all of you out there, that is a guaranteed military term. Football bat, look it up. It's great. We give it to them. And they fucked it all up. But what I love about this movie uh-huh. is they never gave up. And yeah. that's something that you will yes. only find in the military. Uh-huh. You're shot. Okay, I've been shot four times. Mm-hmm. But my friend's about to die. Yeah. My four shots are not life-threatening. Yeah. I've got to find a way to drag my best friend out of here and get him out of here alive because I don't care that I've been shot or that my <laughs> hand's been blown up or the guy that fucking got the ID blown up next to him, he couldn't hear anything anymore. Right. That's what really takes when you're in the military is that camaraderie to I will do anything for mm-hmm. my best friend because he's my best friend. Well, and also, it's the only place where the stakes are absolute. Yeah. There's you either no, live or die. Yeah, there's no kinda in that. You know, I'm shot... I might survive. He won't if I don't do this. There's no in between with that. Okay. Exactly. And yeah, it's Black Hawk Down was intense. And they got out of there and mm. they got out of there and they had mm. to fucking run. Yeah. Out of Mogadishu on their own. And let me let me put this into perspective for you. Imagine running a 10K. Yeah. That's yeah. six, just over six miles. And that's how far they had to run. They actually had to run almost a little bit further than that. It was close to seven miles. Ugh. So imagine running a 10K. Imagine running a 10K after you've worked equivalently 48 hours straight right. and not taking a nap, not taking a break, uh, not stopped to eat, yeah. not really had anything to drink, uh-huh. and you've been shot. Yeah. Ugh. That's what they did. They worked all day long fighting for their lives for hours on end, and then they ran yeah. all the way back to the base. And they realized, too, in that, they brought up this stuff with, uh, I believe it was the Delta Force guy who wrote, who had their his blood type written, was it on the soles of his shoes? Yeah, something was, like that. Yeah, it's what we, that's what they do. They understand the situation. So, oh, okay, we, we know what we need here. And what I tried to explain to people, like Army Rangers, uh-huh. they're special forces, but a lot of them are like kind of low-level special forces. Mm-hmm. Delta Rangers are bad motherfuckers. Yeah. Like yeah. bad dudes. And you you have that in that scene with Eric Bana. And they're like, your safety's off. He's like, I know. This is my safety. And he, he, he moves his finger. Uh-huh. Because that's how those guys are. They're yeah. like, I don't need to take the time to take my safety off. That will slow me down yeah. from killing them or get me killed. Yes. My yes. safety is my finger because I'm not going to put my finger on the trigger unless, unless I'm, I'm ready, ready to yeah. kill somebody. Yep. Yep. That movie and is they, so good. Yeah. And a star-studded cast of like amazing people. Tom Hardy has a very yeah. small role in that movie. Uh-huh. You got Josh Hartnett, Eric Bana. I mean, you just... A lot of good folks a in lot I mean, good A lot folks of good folks. Before they were really like big famous yeah. actors. Yeah. And I cannot say good, enough good things about Black Hawk Down. I really can't. Now, there's one in here. Have you seen Stanley Kubrick's early movie, Paths of Glory? I don't believe that I have. This movie is... Fucking amazing. But I love Stanley Kubrick, oh, yeah. so I probably should. It's early black and white. And what is it? It's World War One. Okay. And there's, uh, you know, trench warfare. Hard shit. And the folks up at the top tell this general, yeah, well, we think you should take the hill this week. And the general passes it down. You're taking the hill this week. And they're like, well, that, no, we can't. That's no, You're taking the hill this week. So they set them up. They go whistle blown. They go over the top and start getting mowed down and retreat. 
And the general is there. He's like, I was given this order. You are all cowards in the face of duty. I want every man put on trial and executed. They said, we can't do that. And so he said, fine. One man from each battalion is going to stand trial for their entire group. And if they're found guilty of cowardice, they will be executed. And it's about the uh, commander in the trenches who was also an attorney who represented him. And it goes into that madness of the folks way up on top making these decisions without any idea of what's actually happening and how it's this futility for the folks that are on the ground where it's like, fuck, we don't even know. It's um, another great World War I movie is called uh, The Grand Illusion. Yes. And, oh, God, I don't know if you've seen it. Great movie. Fucking brilliant. But when the guys are shot down and taken prisoner, and they're sitting down, oh, bring the officers in for lunch, and then the guys come in with the wreath that they're sending to the funeral of the pilot that was killed when they shot him down. The pilot for the, like, one of these guys who's taken prisoners, comrades, one of their co, you know, one of their fellow soldiers, these guys shot him down and killed, and they basically had this thing they were sending to his funeral that was like, we are so sorry. That was not our intention. We wanted to shoot him down, not kill him. We are sorry. And how in World War I, for as awful and bloody and horrible as that world war was, on a basic level, the folks who were fighting it were like, we have no idea why we're doing this. I have no hatred here. We're kind of just doing what we're told. And how pretty much it was just this, this the royals, the the upper upper crust had just reached this boiling point where... <laughs> they hadn't had them a war in a long time. And so a whole bunch of people had to suffer. And they're like, wait, why, why the fuck? Yeah. Why the fuck are we doing this? And that the grand illusion and paths of glory, those two highlight the insanity of world war one so well, because if you really look at it and say, why, why did world war one occur? World war two, I get it. Every other war, I get why they happened. World war one was basically like, well, it was a, a Western movie where everybody in the bar had drawn their guns because they were all drunk, and then someone knocked a glass over, and, and someone turned around and shooting. shot, and then boom, boom. That was World War One. Was there just, was no whoa, real reason what the to fuck? it? Yeah, it's the superpowers fought the other superpowers, yeah. and it's like it's a battle royale. Yeah, yeah. And why? We don't really know. Uh -huh. World War II makes sense. People hate Hitler. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Vietnam. I mean, I don't really get it. Uh huh. But we did it. You could at least explain in some way a exactly. reason for Say it. Korean War. Uh -huh. I get that. We had to do that. I don't. know. Have you ever seen Black? The show Black Adder. It's this British show with Rowan Atkinson, and it it took place through different time periods. There's like a medieval one and like a Victorian one. And one that took place during World War One, And all it was with that, it was Blackadder, was always this guy who was like a lieutenant or an advisor to the king, who was this scheming guy that, oh, yes, um, you know, always kind of the power behind it. Very funny show. But they always had these kind of weirdly tragic ends where, like, in one, in one of the older ones, like, I think the middle, medieval one, the king jokingly went to have him executed and then said, oh, yeah, off with his head, and then never took the order back, so he was executed. But the <laughs> ending of the one that was set in World War One ended with them going over the top, going over the top of the trench, and then as they're going, it freezes and fades to a field of poppies, which in the UK, Memorial Day is Red Poppy Day. Red Poppy Day. And Everybody it's, died. It, yeah, it's one of those like, oh, shit, that's, pa that's powerful. And it's like, I like the movies about World War One because 
it brings up that shit where you gotta question. You know, we have to be informed and be on top of why the why the fuck are we doing this? Why is this happening? Because otherwise, we end up with shit like World War One, where a bunch of politicians are like, "Fuck it, we're just, no, we're just gonna go to war," and then it's all gonna be Germany's fault. Okay. Yeah, we all did it. It's Blame all the German. It's all Germany's fault. And if you look at it, had that not happened. Germany wouldn't have been ruined economically and there never would have been a third. There never would have been a Hitler. There never would have been a World War II. Yeah, and we, you know, could have saved a million Jews. And, uh, you know, six all these million people. Jews. Six million yeah. Jews. And how many fucking, Ru- and 12 million Russians because we they kept that asshat Stalin out of the fucking picture. Ugh. Yeah, there, the, a lot of things would have changed if that wouldn't have happened. Mm. But, you know, that's another subject. Yeah. But, you know, the rich people on top. Oh, yeah. Trickling down to the rest of the world. Yeah. Yes. And 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 sending people sending other people's <coughs> children to war. Yeah. That's yeah. what bothers me about mm. it. Is is it's never the fucking rich people no, who have no, the kids no. going to do this stuff. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Well, that's why I think Paths of Glory is one it's so fucking good because it comes from that 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 old saying, the paths of glory lead but to the grave. And yes, that's very much what what that's about. This it's Kubrick. Honestly, my two favorite Kubrick movies are Paths of Glory and The Killing. His, his two earliest, I think he hit his absolute stride then. And I know everyone else will point out, oh, but, you know, Clockwork Orange and, you know, Full Metal Jacket, uh, Doctor Strangelove, all those great, watch that early shit. That is him fucking just punk rock nailing it. Well, yeah, because, I mean, most directors in the early part of their career, they're doing what they want to do yeah. to try and make a name for themselves. And yeah. then once they get famous, they're doing what they want to do to get a paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, in Kubrick, I can never say enough good things oh, about good. him. Oh, good, yeah, God, no, yeah. So back to Vietnam. Yes. What's your thoughts on We Are Soldiers? I, um... It's a movie I wish I had seen. Really? You yeah. never saw it? I know, no, but everyone I know who is military who has seen it really speaks very highly of it. I know so the, the book is- It's based is on a that, real story. Yeah, it's Colonel based on- Colonel Hal Moore. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. He was one of those guys, uh, kind of almost, I mean, not really like Steve Rogers, because he's uh, not the poster boy. He didn't right, have the, right. But-, but he treated his men like his children. Yes. Uh-huh. And if you read if you read any of his books, which mm-hmm. they're all amazing, you you realize that Hal Moore was that guy. Like he led people in the battle because they wanted to follow him. Yeah. Yeah. And he was also the guy that established the new cavalry when they took over helicopters instead of riding horses. Right. And they were the first ones kind of we're going to keep bringing flights into the battlefield and yeah. keep churning people in. Uh-huh. In a time where, like, if you were an officer, you were probably going to die in Vietnam. And if right. you were a helicopter pilot, you were definitely most likely going to die yeah. in yeah. combat. And people still wanted to follow him into combat. And mm-hmm. they still believed in what that guy did. And he was always the, I will be the first on the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. And I will be the last one off. Mm-hmm. And that's the book was the book is called We Were Soldiers Once and, and Young. Young. And from what I understand, my knowledge of it is, it's basically the first engagement in yes. Vietnam. And it is the... Landing in a field and realizing, holy shit. shit, we're we're out of our depth. Yeah, we are surrounded. We do not have the ground advantage. We do not know the terrain. We do not know the area, and they do. I only put that movie on my list because I've read the book and uh, watched the movie. Uh, the book is phenomenal. Right, the movie's pretty good. Uh-huh. Another big fact I like about the movie is you have a young Ryan Hurst. Yeah. Before he was Opie. Yeah. He was just this badass, tough mm-hmm. lieutenant who was, I'm going to do this. And it yeah. was awesome. And you, you have, uh, 
Gosh, I can never remember his name. The old guy in like every movie, gray hair. He's in Roadhouse. Oh, uh, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott oh, is yeah. in there. He plays the sergeant major. I and love you, Sam you, Elliott. Yeah. And Ryan Hurst is the high belt lieutenant. Yeah. Good morning, sergeant major. How do you know what kind of goddamn day it is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam Elliott. Oh man, yep. that that Sam Elliott as as a sergeant major like mm. epitomizes what most sergeant majors in the Army and the Marine Corps it, are like just total crusty badass. Here's what throws me with Sam Elliott. See to me, there's two Sam Elliots. There's there's the Elliott with and the Elliott without. Sam Elliott without the mustache doesn't make sense to me. With the mustache, it's like yes, you are immortal. I I get it. Without the mustache, it's like I. I don't know who you are. This is the only movie that he pulls it off without the mustache because, uh-huh. you know, military, they're, you know. Right. You can have yeah. a mustache, but it's basically a Hitler mustache. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you have to shave it down so ridiculously to be in regulations mm-hmm. that nobody actually wears a mustache right. in the military. Right. And if you're out in the field away from being able to shave, you might be able to pull, you're, you can get away yeah, with, with some beard, facial hair. Yeah, facial yeah. hair. I haven't shaved. I've been in yeah. the field trying not to die. Right. Right. But big, yeah. big, big. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a big fan of that movie, but I uh, like that movie because of the book. Uh-huh. If you get a chance to watch it, you should. Yeah. Uh, it's Mel Gibson. I'm not really going to go into depth on Mel right. Gibson. Right. But the rest of the cast of that movie, pretty awesome. And if you can ever read anything by Hal Moore, uh-huh. Colonel Hal Moore, uh, I think he finished his career as a general. Uh-huh. But at the time of the movie and when it was going on, he was a colonel. Uh, great guy. Really inspiring military guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's definitely we need to see more of that. We definitely need to see more of that. Have you seen Kelly's Heroes? This is one. It's so fucking great. It's Clint Eastwood, uh, Donald Sutherland, Don Rickles in it. It's a men on a mission. Oh yeah, it's a men on a mission type thing where they find out about this like secret store of Nazi gold. During World War II, that they kind of break off to go and take. Okay, and so it's. I mean, this... I get that the Nazis stole so oh, yeah. much stuff. Oh God, yeah. That, that that I mean, you could literally get rich by nabbing one oh, or two, one things. or two little things. You're set, yeah. And they had stores all over the fucking country. Which yeah. Another military movie that, that touches on that subject uh, is Monuments. Man. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Not a very good movie. Right. Yeah. But the premise of the movie was pretty good. It's one of those that I hear had an amazing premise but did not deliver. It didn't deliver, at which all. sucked too because the cast was oh, yeah. phenomenal. That's one of those everything about it, I'm like, this movie is gonna be badass. And then the reviews start coming out, it's like, oh no, this is awful. And I watched it because I was like, Okay, it has these people in yeah. it, it has a premise, it's World War Two, uh-huh. they're taking Nazi stuff, and they were getting it back to bring back the art to the countries right. that it belonged to and the uh-huh. treasures back to the country it belonged to, not just for themselves on paper you're like whoa this movie's gonna be amazing uh, it was fucking terrible yeah that's what i hear kelly's poor heroes george, poor george clooney man that guy started his career and i mean i yeah. mean back from the roseanne days that yeah. guy he did work in hollywood yeah. and it was awesome and then he you, got you, too you famous. mean goodman or clooney I just Roseanne threw me. So uh, Clooney was on Roseanne. Oh, he, he was. Oh. He dated Roseanne's sister in like the first oh, couple of seasons. His okay. name was Booker. Oh. Okay, because <laughs> I was Goodman like, as well. Oh. Right, but Clooney to the extent that I love that guy, yeah. but I cannot remember a movie in a recent past that was actually any good yeah. that he was in. Yeah, it's like I love that Clooney movie. Yeah, I love that Clooney movie. Well, it's been yeah. a little while since Clooney's actually made a good movie because I right. I was super pumped about Tomorrowland until I read the review. Yeah, oh, that thing's gonna end up losing 140 million dollars. Yeah, basically. And th- but I don't think Disney's too worried because of you know 
the Avengers and Ant-Man and Star Wars. They're like, eh. And that because in the next few years, Disney and Google will own the entire world. Yeah, they will. Yeah. All of the money will be theirs. Yes. Between um, two companies. And then they will merge and they will take over yeah, the world. Yeah. Pretty much. But um, Kelly's Heroes is very funny. Uh, Donald Sutherland plays this kind of like, like, edge like weirded out kind of oh yeah this tank driver who's 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 just nuts it's really great it's a it's a fantastic film it's a fantastic film um it's kind of in almost more in the vein of the original inglorious bastards where it's the the bad guys it's very like dirty dozen but without the honorable mission where it's like no we're just gonna go steal some shit that's already been stolen so I had Inglorious <laughs> Bastards on my list. It's yeah. not on my best list. It's not on my worst list. Uh, it's in its own little category down here where it's like, is it a good movie? Yeah. Kind of. Is it, it a bad movie? A little yeah. bit. It's half of a good movie. Any part of that movie that has Christoph Waltz on screen is the best damn thing that came out that year. Any part that didn't is like, oh, oh well, there were, right, I yeah. mean, there was some stuff in there when, 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 uh, Pitt was like first telling his man, right. you're going to give me Nazi scalps. Yeah, na- and Nazi I mean, scalps. <laughs> I support anybody who was all about fucking up Nazis. Right. I uh-huh. will. I love anybody who wanted to fuck up Nazis yeah. back then. Good for them. <laughs> and you gotta love the Bear Jew. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I love the fact that he's an amazing director, yeah. but Tarantino made him try out for this role. You know who the original part, you know who that was originally going to be? No. Sandler. They wanted Adam Sandler as the Bear Jew. I'm sorry. Adam Sandler would have to take years yeah. of steroids I th- to be beefy enough to play that part. It would have been interesting. It would have been interesting. It would have been a totally different angle on it. It would it would have been interesting. It would have been very interesting. Yeah. But I like that like he's a great director and uh-huh. he's Tarantino's like close personal friend, but mm-hmm. Tarantino's like you want the part? Okay, you're gonna you have to you earn actually it. have to earn this part. Right. You need to audition for me and show me and apparently what i hear is he came into the audition with the bat <laughs> nice it was just like he fucking owned it and like made it awesome so any part of that movie that has the bear jew in it i'm mm-hmm. down for too well, you know what's what's interesting is there's a scene that was cut from the the that it's in the script but didn't make the movie that explains the significance of the bat okay when he got drafted uh, they showed they, okay. They they showed him in his New York, he, in his uh, area in Boston. He gets drafted, goes to a sporting goods store, and starts looking for like the heaviest bat they've got. Talking to the guy there and buys this heavy bat. And it cuts to this old Jewish woman. She's at home, and you know doorbell rings, and he she answers the door, and it's him. And he's like, "Can I come in?" And you know she invites him in for tea, you know for coffee. And they're talking. She says, "So I hear you're going over." And he said, "Yes, I am. That's why I'm here to see you. Do you have any family back there you haven't heard from?" And she said, yes, I do. And he takes out the bat and he says, write their names on this. Nice. And if you see it in the poster, there's names scribbled on the bat. I get why they cut it. Because it would have slowed the movie down right in the middle. But it's a fucking amazing that's, scene. That's that's like some shit that needs to be in the director's cut. Yeah. Because like, it explains so much. Because I didn't exactly, know that. Exactly, yeah. And it makes more sense. Like, okay, yeah, that. now that connects. See, what I love is I listen to this. There's this podcast called I Was There Too. 
This guy does where they talk to actors that were in small scenes, had small parts in famous movies. And he had one of the one of the bastards on. I don't remember which one. It was one of the ones who didn't even have a speaking part. But they <laughs> talk guy? Yeah, that guy. What are those Bastard yeah, number four? Pretty much. Yeah. They talk he talked about the first table read and they were like, So what was it like? And he goes, Honestly, our reaction was pretty much the same as everybody else's. We did the first table read and everyone walked away like, Who the fuck is this Christoph Waltz guy? Oh my God, this guy is fucking incredible. And that was my takeaway. I remember I saw the the premiere, Thursday at midnight premiere at the Alamo Draft House. And when it was over, we got up to walk out, and my buddy Brian looked back at me and goes, yeah, yeah, he goes, we just saw the guy that's going to win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, my gosh. No guy, question. Amazing oh, fucking God. actor. Amazing actor. And kills it in that part. And the line that, that's so... And, I mean, he, he did such a good job that you physically... Hated him, yes. And you were like celebrated when he fucking carved the Nazi oh, yeah. symbol. When they got when they got that car. Oh, oh yeah, you're gonna get away with this shit here. Not on my fucking watch. And what what I like about him is I like small acting. I like the little stuff where you don't have to go. Over yeah, the top. that's not over the top. But the best line, the line that I love is when he does that. Ooh, that's a bingo. And then that's what they say, right? That's because the way he switches from that big bingo. Did I say that right? That's what they say. That's a bingo. Because everything, he brings it so small, so real. Okay, this is really important. I need to make sure I'm saying this right. I need to know that I'm doing this yeah. correctly. And it just, his face is perfect. And then you look at him in Django Unchained. <coughs> he is so fucking fantastic. Oh, wait, we just have a momentary parlay. I can, oh my God, Jesus Christ. This guy is amazing. And evidently just the nicest dude. Yeah. Just the nicest fucking guy. I can't talk about guy. Django and Shane, though, because that movie was about a fucking hour and a half too long. Yeah, really. It, it, it. I mean, Tarantino's editor, uh, this lady, uh, Sally, I'm forgetting her name, and some people are going to be like, how can you uh, His editor on all of his stuff up to that point died right after um, Inglorious Bastards. And I think it's kind of obvious that it's like, oh, okay. Because there a was a lot of that yeah. money that a movie that could have been cut out. I mean, yeah, it could have been trimmed, could have been tightened. You could have yeah. gotten rid of some shit. Um, the parts that worked worked really, really well. Yeah, I mean that movie dragged worse than RuPaul. Yo, nice, nice. The parts that I loved though, I loved. And what's funny, it's connected to all of his other movies. And I do, I do like that about the movie. Uh -huh. I just. Did yeah. not like how long it dragged on. I mean, it dragged on and on. It was so bad that like I didn't watch that movie in the theater. Uh -huh. We rented it, and we had to keep taking breaks right. from watching the right. movie on our own comfortable couch. Well, and to me, like the opening part where it's him and Christoph Waltz, I could watch that all day because it's fucking Christoph Waltz. He's amazing. And interesting thing, that is the part that connects it to Kill Bill. Yes. Which is so cool with his wife and the grave popping up in there. Interesting enough, um, Inglorious Bastards is connected to uh, his whole movie universe through a movie he didn't direct. He wrote but didn't direct called True Romance. I love True Romance. The guy, the the film producer that they go see is named uh, I can't remember his first name. Uh, Donowitz. The bear Jew's name is Don Donowitz. That's that's his kid. Oh, it's like his kid or yeah, it's, grandkid it's, or something it's, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's his kid or grandkid goes on to make movies, and it's literally that's the connection between them. Oh my them. gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, Donnie Donowitz. Donnie Donowitz. Oh, he's so he was so fucking good. You know that that until that kid hit puberty and like filled out, uh -huh. he got his fucking ass kicked all the time because his name's Donnie Donowitz. Oh like, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Parents out there, don't do that to your children. Uh, Donnie Donowitz in Boston. And one thing I will say about Eli Roth is he produced and directed some of the episodes of Hemlock Grove that my old roommate yeah, is writing. Yeah, yeah, good show, and too. The best compliment I can ever hear given to someone is what they said about uh, Eli Roth. Is they said, it's going to sound weird, but he's nicer than he has to be. <laughs> and I know it sounds really strange to be like, that is a but. When you're that dude in Hollywood, you're able to get a movie greenlit. You're able to get a show greenlit. On your name alone. Yeah. And you're nicer than you have to be. Wow. That's good That's to know. That's really, wow. That, All right, good to know that he's not a prick. Yeah, okay. he's not I, a prick, I, yeah. I like that yeah. because too many fucking celebrities yeah. are. Yeah, and he said, great fucking guy. Absolutely great guy, so. So. I just want to touch on a couple of super recent movies yes. real quick. Go for I'm it. not going to go into them in depth. Uh, Lone Survivor and American Sniper. I mean, I've got both of them queued up, but every everybody they're on they should be on everybody's list cuz if right. you look at Lone Survivor, I hear that movie's the shit. It really is. I mean, Mark Wahlberg plays the part really well. Marcus Luttrell is still alive. He's a Texas boy. Uh-huh. Got to love that kid. He still lives in Texas. Uh-huh. Uh, I follow him on every single social media that I'm on because he's just a good person. Just a good dude, yeah. And, and, and it's it's as accurately of a description of how he went through that engagement uh-huh. as you could get. Right. It's Hollywooded up some, and he mm-hmm. even admits that it's Hollywooded up some. Yeah. But it really is an accurate depiction of what he went through there. And to make it out of all of that shit alive is amazing. Uh-huh. Now, American mm-hmm. Sniper brings us all the way back to the beginning of the show. Yeah. Because you were like, if they had the poster boy for the military yeah. guy, when I think of poster boy uh-huh. of the military guy, I think of him. Yeah. He yeah. joined the military late in life because it was the honorable thing to do. Uh-huh. He's a fucking country Texas boy yeah. who could shoot. I'm going to go be a fucking Navy SEAL sniper. Uh-huh. And then he did, did his job to the best of his ability. Yeah. And every time he came home, he wanted to go back. Yeah. Because that's the funny thing about going to war. When you're over there, you want to leave. Yeah. And when you're home, you're scared that your friends are going to die, so uh-huh. you want to go back. Well, like, like, have you seen Hurt Locker? So that's actually on my worst list. Yeah. Okay. And and but it's on a. I have like a special parentheses around right. that and Jarhead on my worst list. Mm-hmm. The premise of the Hurt Locker is good. Yeah. The authenticity of the Hurt Locker uh-huh. is amazing because it was filmed on the Syrian yeah. border. Uh huh. It no shit looks and feels like you're over there. Uh huh. But Jeremy Renner's character in that movie would never exist in the military. Oh, no, no, yeah. The, he's, he, a, he's a psychopathic fucking hothead. Yeah. And the amount of bombs that they said he defused, you would have to defuse like five bombs a day, and yeah. that would never fucking happen, especially yeah. in the Army. The, 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 Navy and the Air Force's EOD is way better than the fucking Army's. I'm mm. sorry, Army EOD guys, yeah. but they just are. Yeah. And you would never have this psycho cowboy out there yeah, doing the, what he was doing. The minute he took his protective gear off, they'd be like, you're out. Well, not yeah. see, not even that. There's so many scenes in that movie where the three of them are out there with no cover fire. Right. No support, no backup, no ground troops. In no fucking world does that ever exist in right. the military. Right, right. So, 
I, I have the parenthesis around that movie because I like what it looks like and I like uh, what it stands for. Yeah. It just fucking fell so short and of what it could have yeah, been. Yeah, the tension. when they, the, the tension in those scenes, but also the reason the scenes are as tense as they are is because they don't have any cover or any backup. Exactly. Like, Shit that you go, You're going happen. in there with no goddamn control over the area. Like, what the hell? Shit that would never, ever, ever happen. And it uh, blows my mind. But you know, that's Hollywood making movies mm, about military. Without yeah. actually fucking consulting the military. Right, right. I like that movie. I uh, wanted to like it a lot more than right, I did, but it right. hit my worst list because of just inaccuracies. Do you need another? I'm grabbing. Yeah, grabbing actually, oh, I cool, do. Cool. Um, another movie, getting off our recent topic, but another movie that made my, my worst list that I really wanted to like and love was Jarhead. Anthony Swafford's rendition of what he went through in the first Iraq war. Uh-huh. Now... The beginning of that movie with his his boot camp experience, pretty similar boot camp experience to what a lot of guys go through. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I joined the Marine Corps and I fucking shouldn't have done this. Right. And he got his ass kicked by his drill instructor a lot. That happens a lot, people. A lot more than you think. Right. And then his general overall feeling through the military for the entire movie, uh-huh. that also happens a lot in the Marine Corps. Yeah. You get a shitload of guys that think they want to be Marines and then after they join and get through boot camp, uh-huh. they're like... I fucking hate this. Yeah, and this then they spend terrible. the next yeah. four to six years of their lives hating it <laughs> and wishing they could get out of it. But that's what I like about the movie. What I don't <laughs> like about the movie is the amount of inaccuracies of when they're in Iraq. Yeah. When they're in Iraq, the whole premise of the movie is hurry up and wait because that right. is the motto of the Marine Corps. Oh, yes, Corps. yes. Uh-huh. But the dancing around a bonfire and mm-hmm. shooting their guns in the air, mm, that would never happen. Right, uh, right. Getting left alone on the battlefield, uh, the Marines' motto is like, we're not going to leave you behind. Yeah. Always yeah. faithful, and they're not going to leave you behind. Never mm-hmm. leave a man behind. Right. They would not get the fucking two of them left on a battlefield in the Marine Corps. Right. That's not my Marine Corps. No, no. So no. on that shit, I've got to I've gotta drop Jarhead to my worst list. Right. I had to, and I wanted to like that movie so much. Yes. Now, I in here, I have some question mark movies. Okay. And I'm like... One. Well, that's kind of what these were. Oh, yeah, they weren't yeah. necessarily worst. See, I, I there aren't. A, I haven't seen many bad ones. I only have three that I would list as bad. I only have two, and one's not even actually a military movie. Yeah, but it's called The Marine uh, with, with fucking John, John Cena. Cena. Yeah, the WWF <laughs> needs to fucking stick to what they're good at, which is making fucking wrestling. You know what? The wrestlers do- wrestle. Yeah. Don't fucking try to make movies, and don't try to make yourself a marine. The only cool part about that movie. Movie is the premise of John Cena's a Marine and he's a Marine that can take out all these bad guys by himself because basically that's how every Marine sees themselves, right. whether it's true right. or not. Uh-huh. But they think that they're the baddest fucking thing to yeah. ever walk this planet. That part's cool. The rest of that movie sucks balls. You know what I want to see is WWE make uh, uh, Clarkson and I have talked about this before. They need to do a Cannonball Run remake with all the WWE folks in the Cannonball Run. That would be awesome. That would be cool. Um, and the only other movie on my worst list is In the Army Now. In the Army Now? Oh, the, the Pauly the Shore. Short. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Here are my bad ones. Have you seen Basic? Yes. Okay, that's one. The reason I put that on my worst list is they go for what's called the Rashomon effect, which is the same story told from a different point of view. And then they throw this twist on at the end that does not make logical sense given everything else. It was just like... It didn't make any sense And now this is going to happen. Wait, so you mean these people were keeping their ruse up when they were alone in the room with no one around that they... That doesn't make sense. I also included Pearl Harbor. So I'm with you on that. Pearl Harbor... (laughs) 
you, you got to respect what happened at D. Oh God, yes. Yeah. And and you got to yeah. respect what, what the the fighters on the carriers in port there did, uh, what the pilots did to go after the Japanese pilots. Yeah. I love all of that. Yeah. The reason that that movie would have made should have made my worst list. I just forgot to write it down. Yeah. Was because they turned it into a fucking rom movie. Yeah. And like, oh, let's make this amazing military movie. Uh, about romance, I, about two guys loving the same fucking girl. I almost pissed my pants laughing when I saw it because they went for something at the end that was so over the top. When they t- took the flight back and Ben Affleck gets off the plane and looks down and sees her, I was like, he's going to be carrying the coffin, isn't he? And then he, he did. I was like, was he sitting on it the entire flight? Yeah, he was That's just chilling out, hanging like, on his fucking buddy's Laying coffin. on the coffin like, oh, yeah, let me stretch out here. Mm. That that's it's one of those things that's like have you, okay, what I think is the funniest moment ever in a movie. Have you seen Lethal Weapon three? I've seen every lethal okay. weapon and own every okay. lethal weapon. Do you remember when they go to follow the guy who's stealing the web the, the ammo and that kid pops up that uh, hey, blah blah blah, oh what are you? Twenty one? I'm twenty. Next week's my birthday. Where I'm like that kid's gonna fucking die. And then guaranteed you see him <laughs> hanging outside with yeah. his son. Hey, I wonder why he's in the movie. Because he's gonna fucking die. Yeah. The sweet kid that everyone loves you've never seen. He's there. Oh yeah, just cherry face, little man. <laughs> and then he gets shot. It goes through it. And Mel Gibson looks at him as he's dead. Holds him and he goes, Happy birthday, kid. And that almost broke me because it was not that the guy dying was funny, but the fact that they went that far. That level. It's just, <coughs> we and want then, you to cry. And then he picks up the fucking Uzi. Yeah. And he's, I'm going to, I'm oh. going to, I'm going to change shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to yeah. change street gangs in California. No, I'm no, sorry. No. That's still going on. Yeah. And not going to change Happy it. birthday, kid. But yeah, they did that in Pearl Harbor, and that <laughs> movie could have been so good if they just yes. made it not about pussy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because really, I mean, it's a love story, but come on, guys. If you're in the military and you two guys are going after one girl, that's about pussy, not about love. No, not at, not at all. Not at all. And have you seen Wind Talkers? Yeah, I I, I <laughs> wish that I hadn't. Yeah. I watched uh, that when I was stationed in Japan. Uh-huh. Uh, is you probably well? Actually, you you weren't <laughs> around on base anymore when DVDs existed. Oh no! Uh-uh. You could go on base, and any DVD that wasn't in the new release category anymore uh-huh. dropped to about seven to nine dollars. Yeah, no tax. We, we and no mm. tax on base. So we bought a lot of movies due to the sheer fact that they're just fucking they're dirt cheap, cheap. And there was nothing else. And I'm like, all right, military movie. There's nothing else for me to do. I don't have cable because I'm in fucking Japan. Yeah, yeah. And so I buy this movie and I watch it and I want that two hours of my life back. On paper, John Woo doing a war film should be awesome. Should have been awesome. On film, it's awful. Um, the line that anytime this is mentioned, Clarkson will say, when the war is over, I'll take you back to Arizona and show you where we buried Daddy. That line is so funny. Show you where they buried Daddy. To me, Dow. I, oh, it's so funny. It, it should be amazing because it's about, you know, the code talkers during World War II and how exactly. awesome that it was. It should have been cool. But oddly enough, when you have someone who has no cultural connection to any part of the story at all, it doesn't end up being handled. I love John Woo. But a Chinese director with no real connection to the American culture, with no connection at all to the American Indian culture, 
It's just not gonna. It sucks. It's not gonna. It's not gonna work at all. It was bad. It, it was like real bad. Mm-hmm. It was like you drove past a car wreck on the highway, and you and saw you shit. Slow down, like, and you saw shit, and you're like, Ugh. "Oh, now this is in my head forever." And now, you, and you wish you hadn't seen it. Well, and that's where I'm at. I watched that movie in Japan in like fucking 2003. Uh-huh. And it, it it haunts me. Well, it's, okay, to give you an idea, of what that that reminds me of, we, I, me and my buddies back in the day did a double feature at the Riverside Movie Theater. We saw Spike Lee's movie Clockers, which okay. is really good but really intense. Good. Followed it up with seven. Oh, love yes. that movie. But we'll those two did not say enough uh, good things about that. Those movie. two back to back, uh, we're leaving the theater. We're driving down Riverside. This was, you know, fifteen almost twenty Before years ago. Before there was a zillion people uh, on Riverside at all time. And it was back when Riverside was sketchy as fuck. And we drove by the major brand gas station, <laughs> which is like the not pornography bookstore. Like, there is nothing about that that, no. And there was police tape around and it looked like a body covered in a sheet. We were like, this is awful. That is that night. Especially after yeah. fucking seven. <laughs> yeah. Especially the ending of that movie uh-huh. with his wife's head in a box. And I actually, mean, oh, seriously. Okay, I have. Okay, so we finish seven. We're watching seven. It gets to that fucking amazing ending. It cuts to black, and these two ladies sitting three rows up and like one over, one of them looks up and goes, The end! (laughs) 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 It was the most like fucking really kind of like when Clarkson saw Batman Begins. And the the Wayne Manor burns down, and this person next to him in the theater goes, "Oh, all those nice things." Like, <laughs> what the f- what? Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> Thank you for pointing out the least important thing here. He's losing many things. Yes, yes he lost all of his material yes. bullshit. Yes. Oh, we're sorry. He's a fucking billionaire. Yeah. Yes. He can buy some more material he, bullshit. He lost so many nice things. But that that's wind talkers. Now, with a question mark, a lot of these are... See, I just kind of have a, a general thing called John Wayne in a uniform, where he gets so much credit for making these military movies... But, but none of, the, of them were really any good. None of them really or, or stand out. Like, it's, Green Berets was actually kind of bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's really kind of bad. These movies all might as well just be called John Wayne in a uniform. Yes, John That's, Wayne military movie yeah. X number one, two, yeah. three, four, five. Exactly. Now, I have one here that is so baffling to think about. Have you seen Iron Eagle? Yes. That is That is the most 80s movie imaginable. Because the, the level of teenage, stuff, but it's the, it, the level of teenage bullshit that is necessary for that film to function on any level, where it's like, yeah, my dad's in the air force, and he'll sneak me out onto the into the jet. First off, does the military ever have a time where it's like, oh, right on you and that other guy in the plane with you that none of us know. The other guy in the fighter jet with you on this training exercise so, that none of us know. Back to I was in aviation mm-hmm. in the military. You <laughs> cannot fucking launch a plane off a base without approval. Yeah. And not just approval from your squadron. Approval from headquarters squadron. Yeah. Approval from fucking tower to launch the plane. Yeah. And even if you're talking jets where it's only a two-hand crew, you're if your dad went out into the plane because he's a pilot uh-huh. and gets in the plane and puts you in the other seat 
and he fucking taxis out without authorization uh-huh. and takes off without tower's permission, uh-huh. he's going to get fucking court-martialed and kicked yeah. out of the military. Something tells me he's not fucking doing that for you, Jimmy. The only person I know who might be able to get away with that, might, is, uh, I think he's colonel now, Todd Canterbury, who's the head of the Blue Angels. No, Air Force Thunderbirds. Maybe he could sneak someone. Maybe, but probably not. But And that's also one of those, like, okay, I don't fly mission jets anymore. I fly flight show performance jets. Yeah. And that's a, hey, can I take my kid up? Yeah. Yeah, you totally can. Okay, cool. But he still got the permission. Yeah, the number of people, even with that shit where it was like, you know, on a training exercise, I'm going to. You know, bring my kid up in the plane with me. No, you're not. There's never a time where it's like, oh, it looks as though Colonel Moynihan and someone are taking the jet up. And the the beauty of... They're going for a cruise around the block like they're taking out Grandma's fucking Cadillac. And the fact that, okay, we're going to steal a jet. We're going to fly across the world. We're going to arrange for an in-flight refuel. Yeah. Then we're going to... Bomb some odd terrorist base that has enough of a space for you to land this F-15. We're going to get your dad and fly out with a 17-year-old. That movie is so 80s. It's like the last Starfighter is credible compared to Iron Eagle. That movie was written by a fucking Mm 13-year-old eating cereal for breakfast and was like, Hey, you know what'd be cool if uh, that, if we did this? That was some producer waking up in the morning and his kids talking about that. She's like, "I've got a gold, gold, a million dollar idea for That'll a picture." Work. Done. That's where the, like the studio was like, "We need you to do a war movie. Uh, Whatever you want yeah. is cool." And he probably racked his brain for like months and couldn't then he come got anything. his kid drunk. And then his kid was fucking sitting there eating his like cocoa puffs or whatever. He's Spazzing like, out you know on what'd sugar. Be really cool, dad. Yeah, and, and then yeah. and that's what fucking Dad's happened. There with furiously that writing the whole fucking, fucking thing. Now, have, steaming pile of shit. Yeah, would, would be better to watch. Yeah. that movie. Now, have you seen Act of Valor? That was the one that was done with real Navy SEALs featuring... Oh, real. yeah. Here's the thing. That is one where the action scenes were badass. Every other part of it was ass. Exactly. Yeah. That movie, like, I went into it knowing that the movie was going to suck. Uh-huh. Because Navy SEALs are Navy SEALs, not actors. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And I, I, I went into that hoping I would be wrong. Uh-huh. But it's true. <laughs> The action scenes were fucking killer because yeah. you have a bunch of guys who are actual real badasses. Yeah, they know like, how to put that shit together. I'm a Navy SEAL. I can, if needed to, kill people for yeah. a living. Yeah. And I can fight to the death because I'm a badass. Because mm-hmm. I've gone through all this shit. Yeah. But they're not actors. No. And the guy that wrote that movie uh-huh. probably had a fourth grade education. Probably, yeah, yeah. He actually, the director then went on to do that movie, Need for Speed, which the movie was not very good, but the driving scenes. The stunt oh driving in yeah. that movie was amazing. He's a, that motherfucker pulls off some beautiful action But then again, anytime you try to adapt a fucking video game yeah. into a movie, you're yeah. going to fail. But you're going to have some good action. Yeah, yeah. That movie had a lot of great car stunts. Mm-hmm. Really poorly and written and really poorly amazing done. Amazing cars. 
I mean, you're 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 actually racing a Veyron and all that. Like, yeah. okay, I'm down with this. This Which is pretty awesome. Makes me wonder how much money that movie lost. Oh yeah, because to even rent those cars for action scenes yeah. like that is millions of dollars yeah. on that budget. Yeah, we are and going it, to destroy a Veyron. And, and okay, it, yeah. uh, what's his name from Breaking Bad? Yeah, Aaron Paul was in yeah. it. Yeah, they went with Breaking Bad's a huge success. Yeah. We're going to make this shitty movie, but yeah. we're going to put you in it because that should sell us enough tickets to at yeah. least break even. Nah, and it didn't. Did no. not do, All the no. Breaking Bad people were like, I'm not fucking Yeah, I'm not. No, good Lord, no. Yeah. No. I, I have I, things like watching paint dry to do. Yeah. I got to say, the best thing that uh, Aaron Paul has been involved in since then is a cartoon on Netflix called Bojack Horseman. I have not seen this yet, but have heard how amazing this My is. My favorite line. Okay, he plays the... Uh, like like dead at deadbeat who sleeps on Bojack's couch, his quote unquote roommate, but he just sleeps on his couch. And he wrote a rock opera. And at one point, he performs it. Like Bojack's helping with it and it, helping him with it. And he finishes. He's like, "So, do you have any notes?" And he goes, "Okay, how do I put this? Imagine if the Holocaust happened every four years, like the Olympics. I would rather <laughs> that than your rock opera." <laughs> That's the kind of line. That, yes, yes. <laughs> and it's that Will Arnett voice. There's one where he gets into a fight with a military guy at the uh, at, at, a, at a grocery store. And it's about you know, a fight on a news show about it. It's like, are you saying the troops are jerks? I'm saying some of the troops are jerks. I'm saying that just because you put a uniform on a jerk doesn't automatically make them not a jerk. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> wow, you can't say that out loud, but somebody who's been in the military, you're like, oh yeah, there's some fucking assholes oh, no. in the military. <laughs> I will tell you this in person. Mm. In the Marine Corps, at least, mm. I would say at least a quarter of them are fucking huge jerks. Yeah, yeah. And then there's probably a quarter who don't want to be there, uh-huh. and there's probably a quarter who really love what they're doing, and then the other quarter is like the indifferent guys who are kind of like, I like this, yeah. I really do, but if I stop doing this today, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, okay. And that was me. Yeah. Right. I loved right. being a Marine. Uh-huh. I got to I got to sergeant very, very quickly. Nice. And could have been could have pinned on staff sergeant if I would have reenlisted. Uh-huh. But I got to that point in life where it was like, well I'm good. But I can I can I can do other things. Yeah, I and could if do I do other things, yeah. I don't have to do this thing, <laughs> which kind of yeah. sucks a lot. Yeah. But sometimes it's really cool. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's like eating birthday cake <laughs> naked off of a girl. Yeah. Who's naked? Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's like, like some dude eating birthday cake off me when I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> while having to mop the barracks blindfolded yeah. uh, for the rest of your life in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Because you do that a lot. Every Thursday is field day. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I got out. Mm-hmm. And y- you have those people. Yeah. And you have your jerks. Right. You have your assholes. I knew a few of those. Uh-huh. A lot of the major military incidents on Okinawa, which got us kicked off of that island by the by them, and now we're all in mainland Japan, uh-huh. was from people who were Marines. Yeah. And a few of them were guys who were actually in my unit that uh-huh. I know personally. God. Uh. And that was a little sad. Some mm-hmm. of them were wrong place, wrong time. Right. Some of them were like, he's a fucking asshole, and I totally believe that he <laughs> did that. Yeah. One guy beat up an Okinawan guy and robbed him of 4,000 yen, which is the equivalent of about, at that time, about $39. God. It wasn't even a one-to-one ratio back then. Uh, It was like seriously like $37 to $39. Oh, man. And it was on camera, and he got kicked out of the Marine Corps and put in jail for it. Like, Ugh, God. 
because he was kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back to the little jerk thing. He's kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. That happens. That happens. So, let me see here. I've got a bunch of stuff listed. Things like older things, like the best years of our lives, which wasn't a war movie. It was more the aftermath. Yeah. Where the guy won the Oscar. The the spe- was how different Hollywood is now. Best years of our lives. Post World War II movie had a guy who lost both of his hands in World War II playing a guy who lost both, both of his, his hands, hands in World, World War II. He won a special Oscar because of his inspiring performance giving hope to servicemen everywhere. That's what Hollywood used to do. Should have been. Yeah. So, speaking of losing his hands in war and playing a guy who loses his hands in war, are yeah. we going to talk about Tropic Thunder? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that movie. I really love that it's movie. It's not really a war movie because no. it's a movie about making a movie about war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is fucking hilarious. I wish Robert Downey Jr. in that movie. Downey Jr. If he owns didn't it. do anything else in his career, I'd yeah. be like, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. He, here's the thing: the I'm only, the dude who looks like a dude playing another dude. I'm the dude behind the dude playing another. <laughs> here's here's the only thing that I would have changed in it if I could have. I love Ben Stiller in it, but Ben Stiller was the only person who was not playing a parody of himself. Yeah. If you could have. Imagine if you'd switched him and Tom Cruise and had Tom Cruise playing the Ben Stiller part and Ben Stiller playing. Now, I love Tom Cruise playing the part that he did because of that. But if you could have gotten Tom Cruise to play the part that is mocking the type of film star that Tom that Cruise he is became, and that he does all the time. Oh, God, that would have been terrible in, action movies. Yeah, yes. that would have been incredible just because of what it is and who <coughs> it's making fun of would have been amazing. Although I will say, to me, that movie marked the beginning of the McConaughey Renaissance. It the really McConaughey, the because McConaughey's performance in that was so fantastic. The best moment, almost of any movie that years. I've killed what I love the most. Hang up the phone. Okay, you've killed a hooker. He's okay. No, I meant a panda. Oh, okay, that's not a problem. But okay, you you killed a hooker. Okay, you the killed the hooker. Calm, it's okay. McConaughey is epic hey there, in that. Tugger nuts. Tugger nuts. What's um, the guy uh, uh, Alpha Alpha Chino who kept fucking with <laughs> Downey Jr. The <laughs> black gay actor yeah. rapper who had his own fucking energy during yeah. Booty sweat. The moment that I loved is when he made some state. I forget who it was that he made fun of. A crocodile Dundee or something. And he hey goes, there, crocodile Dundee. <laughs> goes, Pump the brakes. That man's a national hero. (laughs) Him and I just love that mocking the over the top actory actorness. I don't read the script. The script needs me. Reads me. What the fuck does that even mean? That doesn't even fucking mean anything. You cannot improvise your fucking whole acting experience in this movie. You have to read some of it. Jack Black's performance, fantastic. That I. It, and it just the the insanity of that sort of situation of being in the the combat situation without look about being ready for it about being ready Great. for it and still hooked on fucking blow oh god yeah. yeah um what about speaking of not being ready for it red dawn not the remake the original okay the original was bad 80s movie yeah but a badass bad 80s movie Bit of ba- exactly because yeah. there was a lot of 80s movies that were shitty but amazing because yeah. they were shitty no. like Red Dawn yeah the remake I kind of liked uh-huh just because I like Chris Helmsworth and what right. he did and the fact that modern CGI made that better yeah 
But the original movie was actually pretty good for an 80s movie. You've got to see this documentary on Netflix called Milius, about John Milius. Okay. Now, Milius uh, was went to USC film school, and there's this great story where this guy who was in that school was like, well, it was me and John and George and Steven and Francis were sitting around. Let's fill those names out. Francis Ford Coppola. George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and John Milius sitting around. They were all college buddies. And that's like the round table of great directors. It really is. It really is. But to give you an idea, John Millius. Now, I am not saying, hold on, let's see if you can guess what character, to give you an idea of his personality, if you can guess what character from a very popular cult film was based on John Millius. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking Walter. That's Walter Sobchak from Big Lebowski is based on John Millius. That's John amazing. Millius, the first thing he really got known for. Uh, he t- he had these buttons that he would wear. He wanted to go in the military, but had health problems, so he couldn't. So back during Vietnam, he took a peace sign, turned it sideways, and drew it so it looked like a uh, a uh, a B fifty two bomber. And instead of saying Nirvana now, which everyone said, he replaced it with Apocalypse Now, and went on and wrote Apocalypse Now. And he sat, he and Spielberg sitting next to each other while Spielberg's editing Jaws, and he's working on Apocalypse Now. <coughs> He wrote the USS uh, Arizona speech. Was Arizona the, the the Arizona speech from Jaws? He wrote it, and it was like eight minutes long. Amazing. That monologue cut down. He wrote Conan the Barbarian. He wrote Apocalypse Now. He wrote Red Dawn. This documentary about this fucking lunatic who is absolutely amazing. And like in Apocalypse Now, the uh, um. Which I just want to pause you there for a yeah, second. Go on. I'm glad we have finally got to Apocalypse yes. Now. Number five mm-hmm. on my best fucking movie list is mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now. It's slightly psychotic. Oh yeah. But if you actually look at Vietnam, and yes. my my uncle was over there, uh-huh. and he has never said one word about it to me, which yeah. means I know he saw some real bad yeah. shit. Because yeah. The only people who had a shorter or her who had a short life expectancy as an officer and a pilot mm-hmm. were combat engineers. Yeah, my uncle was a combat engineer and uh-huh. made it out alive. Damn. So yeah, he saw some shit. And if you look at the psychoticness of Apocalypse Now, it puts you in the mindset of what those guys had to go through. Like you really did have to be a little fucking crazy <laughs> to be over there oh, yeah. and continue to be over there oh. and worry about staying alive. And it was such a good movie. One of the coolest bits from that is the the voiceover that Saigon. They couldn't get it right. Sheen couldn't get it just right. That's a good feeling, isn't it? And they're recording it over and over again. And Milius pulls his gun, pulls a 45 out, puts it down on the table and says, just put your, put your hand on this. Just put your hand on this gun and do it again. And fucking nailed it. Amazing. First try. Like, oh shit. That's, but yeah, it's a, a documentary. Yeah, that's like just straight called, up like movie boner. Like yeah, you yep. hit the home run. It's just are- called Milius. It's so worth seeing. Uh, And you'll understand where Apocalypse Now comes from. Apocalypse Now is one of those movies that was so, like, the madness necessary to create that is, yeah, because Vietnam was fucking madness. It was fucking madness for, like, a decade. Yeah. Like, it went on, and it went on, and it fucking kept going on. Uh, Coppola said about the movies, like, this movie is Vietnam. 
It really this is. This movie is Vietnam. And it's that's like, the thing. yeah, yeah. You, you watch that movie and you're like, this is kind of really fucked up. And it's like, being over there was really fucked up. Yes. Why do you think you get Vietnam vets who you can honestly tell are fucked up from being over there, but won't tell you what happened to them? Yeah. And won't say a word about it. Because anybody who's been to war and has gone through that shit will not talk about it because no. it's too fucked up to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who's out there telling stories from you is probably a fucking liar. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah, you that just, movie was just, it was intense. Mm-hmm. I remember my first roommate when I got to Okinawa, my buddy James, I actually just got to see him two weeks ago uh, on uh, Memorial Day. He came down, uh, he's stationed up in Dallas now. He had just gotten the Redux edition. Oh yeah, Apocalypse Now Redux, yeah. Redux because they had just released it on uh, DVD, because granted, this is 2001. Yeah. yeah. And, and DVDs were like the fucking oh, new yeah. thing. We're and, doing everything on this, And yeah. he got the Redux edition. He's like, dude, we got to watch this. And we spent the weekend watching the Redux edition mm. of Apocalypse Now over and over again while getting drunk and, 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 and admiring how amazing yeah. that fucking movie was. It really, that was one that hit it on every level. You look back at how good that core, I, me and George and Steven and Francis, I, the, the, the talent in that, and realizing that Milius was the guy who was like, yeah, I'm just going to write this stuff. I'm right. just gonna write. And actually funny, um, Ed O'Neill told this story about how um, Milius approached the guy who created the show Deadwood. Oh, yeah. And asked, like, Great show. he's like, yeah, I got a kid going to law school. I need a job. Can you, I want a job on this. And he's like, dude, I'm not going to put you in the writer's room. You're not at that level. That's not, that's insulting to you. I'll loan you the money. I will loan you the money to send your kid to law school. Ed O'Neill saw the guy later. He's like, so what happened? He goes, son of a bitch paid me back. He, he sold Rome. Which is a Milius thing. He sold Rome. And he's like, yeah, first guy ever pay me back. Paid me every fucking penny back. Milius is a badass. I fucking love that guy. He's an absolute psychopath. And I'm a, I'm a really great. big documentary fan, so yeah. now I'm going to have to Yeah, check it out. Milius, it's fascinating. It's on Netflix? Yes, it is. Yeah, right. it's a Netflix movie, so it should oh. still be there. Yeah, Milius, yeah, great. But yes, Apocalypse Now. Honestly, Apocalypse Now is a good place, I think, to wrap it up, don't you? I think it is. Yeah, I mean, you can't really <laughs> end on a better... Well, from, oh, like, Saving Private Ryan. Well, there was also the yeah. other thing that we talked about about mentioning on here. So Saving oh, yes, Private yes, Ryan... Yes. The, so far is just concussed. The only thing that it missed, uh, my cousin was uh, with uh, the Armored Cav. He was um, actually at 82nd. No, he started out Armored Cav. He was with the uh, Forward Support Division of the 82nd Airborne. So he was over there for a long time and saw some shit. He said, the only thing that's not really carried over from Saving Private Ryan is, yeah, you see all this stuff. But he's like, the explosions, there you feel it, even if it's not next to you, the wave and the concussiveness. The that distance you, that that travels is insane. Yeah, yeah. You feel it in your body. It's scary to feel something and uh-huh. not necessarily see it. Yeah. And he said that with that, you have to realize all that's going on and you're physically getting jarred by it. Almost constantly. And while you're trying to do what you were supposed to do. Exactly. Exactly. So. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Great movie. Fantastic. The last thing that we yes. had talked about. So everybody out there listening, there's a military movie getting made and it's mm. going to be an action comedy movie. Mm. And the movie's called Range 15. Yeah. Now, why this movie is important and why I think we need to mention it on the show yes. is because it's being made by Ranger Up and Article 15 clothing companies. Mm-hmm. These clothing companies are owned by no shit, real military vets. Yeah. 
I don't know as much about Article 15 as I know about Ranger Up. They're all Army Ranger officers, all great guys. Uh, their best friends, Tim Kennedy, Tim Kennedy, great UFC MMA fighter, one of the mm -hmm. best in the world at middleweight, true like actual war hero. The guy's a total badass. They're making a military action comedy movie. They've got a director. They've got backing. They have raised probably like a half a million dollars to make mm -hmm. this movie. And they're going to make an awesome military movie by real guys in the military. They got uh, Dakota Meyer, won mm -hmm. the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor. Mm -hmm. He's supporting these guys. This movie's going to be fucking amazing. I don't know when they're starting to film it. Yeah. I don't even know when it's going to get released. Uh -huh. But everybody, keep your eyes out for Range 15. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you, if we did this, this show... After Range 15 had come out, mm. Range 15 would be on this It'd list be somewhere. for best movies right. made about the military. Because when you have guys who have the intimate knowledge that these guys have making this movie, you uh -huh. know it's going to be a home run. Right. And right. It, it might be a home run in the sense of Team America World Police, right. where it's just kind of more funny than anything else. But uh -huh. it can also be really badass. Yeah. So yeah. everybody, when... When Range 15 comes out, go out and see it. Yeah, check it out. Rent find it, it. Rent it. Buy it. Find it. Do something to go and see it. It'll at least hit a VOD because everything is VOD Exactly. Nowadays. At least VOD. Do yeah. something to support these guys because these guys are real American military heroes. Right on. They really are. Cool. Well, I think that about sums it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. Thank you for listening. And, uh, and thank you for yes. having me. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no problem. No problem. You, do you like the Saturday Night Live outro music here? I All really right. do. So check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Vine. Uh, we are at www.thefilmfugs.com. You can also hit up all of our sponsors from there. Uh, things like Amazon and T-Fury and Onnit and all kinds of cool shit like that. Call us at 512-666-RANT. Leave a message that will be part of the show or hit us up on V underscore film underscore thugs on Skype. Uh, I think that about sums it up. And until next week, take care. Senior flying a plane.